Hello there. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We don't serve their kind here. What? You're a droid. They'll have to wait outside. We don't want them here. Too much way out by the speeder. We don't want them in trouble. I heartily agree with you, sir. Hey, droid. I'm a hunter. I'm looking for some work. Unfortunately, the Bounty Guild no longer operates in Tatooine. I'm not looking for guild work. I am afraid that does not improve your situation. At least by my calculation. Think again, Tin Can. What, you think you're some kind of Jedi waving your hand around like that? I'm a Toydarian! My tricks gonna work on me! Only money! Hello everyone and welcome to the Outer Rim Cantina. I'm your host, Alan. And I'm your co-host, Ashley. And this is your weekly fix of all things Star Wars. Alright, so for the very first episode of the Outer Rim Cantina podcast, I figured what better way to start things off than talking about the book of Boba Fett, because it is the hot topic on everybody's mind right now, and boy oh boy do we have some thoughts on it. But uh, going into it, I did have some like initial thoughts uh, that were running through my head, starting really all the way back when this series was announced um so (laughs) like when it was announced that boba fett was gonna get his own show or actually no even before then when boba fett showed up in uh the mandalorian i thought it was the dumbest thing ever because i've always always been against the idea of boba surviving the sarlacc i didn't like it when he did it in legends and i like the idea even less in canon now i think it's completely stupid but whatever i'm not in control of the character but anyways so like after the uh in credit scene with um fennec shand quote-unquote dying in season one of the mandalorian i desperately wanted to believe that the mystery character that walked up to her uh and well now we know saved her life obviously i desperately wanted that to not be boba fett literally any other character besides Boba Fett, I would have accepted Plo Koon as the one to walk up and save Fennec Shand. Okay, okay, you would have accepted Plo Koon because Plo Koon is like your favorite character of all time. I mean, not favorite character of all time, but I personally think we need more 
uh, Plo Koon content in Star Wars. There is not enough. And Dave Filoni severely disappointed me at the end of Mando Season 2 by not having Plo Koon be the Jedi that shows up, even though that's what he tricked everybody into believing. I mean, yes, but I will say, I remember the scene you're talking about in The Mandalorian Season 1. I don't think I was really involved enough in Star Wars like I am now to even have theories about who it was. Thinking that it was Boba Fett would have been the last thing on my mind. It, was, it wasn't that I would have been against it if I knew at the time. I don't quite have the same been against the idea of Boba. I guess I just didn't really give him any thought because I'd never read really any of the Legends content, and at that point in The Mandalorian, I had not watched the animated Clone Wars. So the only Boba Fett content I had was Attack of the Clones, which I had also not watched for many, many years at that point. Little baby Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, it was... I don't know why, like, even what got started, people, like, jumped on the hype train of the that guy at the end of the episode being Boba Fett. It was just like something somebody said on twitter or whatever and then like it materialized into a thing also i i till to this day i do not know why they added in the extra like boot spur sound when he's walking up to fennec shand there was absolutely no reason for that oh, now yeah. apparently i think i think there was um in one of the interviews favreau gave like after um, it was either after season one or season two of Mando where, um, he said that, oh yeah, it must've been after season two when Boba Fett was like officially confirmed to be the dude at the end of that episode. Uh, and he said that like, oh, they added, he like, he had the, the sound guys add in the boot spur sounds so people would like know it was Boba Fett. So I guess that's also where the idea came from, but like, that's still kind of stupid to assume that just like, because there's a certain footstep sound it absolutely has to be boba fett i think you're underestimating <laughs> star wars fans personally you don't think they know the foley for every specific character oh no they definitely do my 100%. point made see but i just still think it's stupid <laughs> so but anyways um, yeah go on okay so in case you haven't gotten the picture so far i've never really been like a super fan of boba fett like a lot of people claim they are uh like sure i always thought he was a cool character he had some cool armor he was a pretty rad dude to be just like a background character in the ot but like i never needed to know anything more about him and that's also what a lot of other people say too is like like part of the uh the reason people like this character so much was just because he was just this mysterious armored dude that barely said anything but then was also a badass and like that was enough for me i didn't need to know uh any more about boba fett but on that like i guess the flip side of that same coin would be without boba fett right we wouldn't have uh, the Mandalorian culture and even just the concept of Mandalorians like we have today in both canon and legends. So, I do like Boba Fett, just like, he's not my favorite character. He was, <laughs> he was a blank space in the original trilogy. He was 
a character that we didn't know anything about. He had, what, five speaking lines? He was... I think it was four. Cool-looking, mysterious. You likened him to Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, a mysterious character. Did, did he even talk? Did Darth Maul talk? <laughs> I honestly can't... Did he? I think he said it's been yes, way too Master. Long since I've seen Phantom Menace, so I don't know. Did he talk at yeah, all in the like, duel with Qui Gon Jinn? I don't think he. did. I don't think he did either, which is funny because we know uh, Maul now as someone who is incapable of shutting up. Uh, very but true. you did liken Boba Fett to that—a character that was originally just some mysterious throwaway. I guess, kind of villain-type character in the OT. And now, with Attack of the Clones, uh, the Clone Wars TV show, and now Book of Boba Fett, they are giving him more depth. Yeah, that is true. But, like, yeah, so... Pretty much, Maul is the the prequel equivalent of Boba Fett, except Maul kind of had more of a... even more of a role in The Phantom Menace than Boba Fett did in the entirety of the original trilogy. But I'm pretty sure both of those characters each had, like, four lines in their respective on-screen appearances. So that's where I, that's where I drew the, uh, the comparison from. And I remember both of our initial hopes when Book of Boba Fett was announced was that they would do for Boba what they did for Maul, who is personally one of my favorite characters. I think he's fascinating, and I think it's incredible what they've done with him. Oh yeah, Maul was one of those... Uh, the character, right? One-off villain. Yeah, he looked cool. Yeah, he might have had a few lines, but then it was just like one and done. And then he got cut in half and fell into a bottomless pit, and that was the end of that. And when, uh, because unlike you, I uh grew up watching the Clone Wars. So when they started hyping up the return of Darth Maul, I was kind of like, well, why are they doing this? That's kind of dumb. So, I mean, he's dead, did they, like, so. <laughs> straight up spoil it before the episode aired? Like, what what was it like? I don't know. I watched The Clone Wars when all six seasons were out. I never got the suspense. I never got... I can't imagine how it was watching the wrong Jedi arc, not knowing what was going to happen. Did they spoil Maul's return before the episode aired? Well, that's the thing. I don't remember if they did or not. Like, it's been so, it's been so many years. I mean, I, I can't I imagine they... I don't they, remember how they hyped it up. I can't imagine they did. No, they they definitely probably didn't. The thing about the, um, the trailers for each of the Clone Wars seasons is that they were incredibly deceptive all the time. Like, they... They picked apart certain, like, scenes of certain episodes and then, like, matched them together to make some kind of, like, coherent storyline. But then a lot of the time, that storyline that that was present in the trailers wasn't actually how things played out in the show itself. Fascinating. Like, I kind of distinctly remember the, uh, the Bounty Hunter season, so season two, being like that. Like, it... I think, if I remember correctly, I think the the trailer for season two um, kind of set up the story of the whole season was going to be, like, all of these various bounty hunters. So, like, Cad Bane, Orsing, uh, Imbo, um, I can't remember if Boba was there or not, L- little baby Boba. Um, but anyways, it was, like, the trailer was, like, 
all these bounty hunters getting together and then being hired by like Sidious or Dooku or whatever uh, to do this crazy attack on the Senate building. And they threw in a bunch of uh, character lines and stuff from a whole bunch of different episodes to like piece together this big huge narrative but then like that wasn't actually how things played out like sure the uh, the bounty hunter attack on the senate tower was like uh, was it a two or three episode arc maybe four i think it was four it was like a four episode arc for the season but then like while the every all the other episodes of the season were um bounty hunter related and their focus was on bounty hunters uh it wasn't kind of like an overarching story like they presented that's really interesting i mean as a person who binged it all in two weeks right before the clone war season seven came out i just did not get that experience experience of watching it grow i would have loved to see maul's arc develop on screen i guess i got a little bit of that with the siege of mandalore but otherwise, I didn't really get to see that. I am getting to see that now with Boba Fett, which I was pretty grateful for now that I am watching these things live. Um, so I I had pretty high hopes for the book of Boba Fett. I made the Maul connection same as you did. I hoped they would give him the same thing that they did with Maul. Um, I would obviously never say I've been a Boba super fan, uh, I liked his appearance in the animated Clone Wars. I did. But would I call myself a super fan? No. Would I call myself a super fan now? Well, we'll get into that. Whereas, uh, kind of getting things back on track here. I've, I always thought the, the Boba episodes of the Clone Wars were good. I enjoyed them. I enjoyed seeing the, uh, a teenage Boba kind of dealing with, uh, the murder of his father and how he got shaped into, the uh the ruthless cold-blooded bounty hunter that we see uh on screen in the original trilogy like i always thought that was like enough though to to explain boba's uh character like they had that whole arc where um boba uh he was still a clone cadet kind of and so he got on to like a tour of uh mace windu's jedi flagship right, right. and then sabotage the whole thing and send it crashing into whatever planet that was it's been too long since i've seen this arc to remember um <laughs> where the whole like point of him doing all of this was to get mace windu to admit that uh he killed jango fed he killed this kid's father and now all the destruction that boba has rot because is because of that but instead uh the arc ends off with uh boba being arrested taken to coruscant and as he's about to be led into the republic prison like he gets one final confrontation with mace windu where all this kid wants is for i mean not not even really for an apology just for like an acknowledgement of the consequences of Mace's actions, and Mace doesn't give him that. Mace just tells him, yes, yeah, shit happens, get over it. And that originally, at least, was the the catalyst for Boba becoming the the OT version of the character, right? After he met uh, Bosk and all the other bounty hunters in the, the prison on Coruscant. Yeah, and it's good that we got that. I... 
That still doesn't explain what happened to him in the future. They're like, yes, he probably should have died in the Sarlacc. That's where it could have ended. But the fact that they chose not to end it there, I was just pretty excited to see what they were going to do with it now that they gave him a future that he did not need to have. Like, they had an ending for him. You could argue about whether they should have brought him back or not all day. We could go back and forth. But now that they gave him a future, I was just pretty excited to see what they did with it. So that's pretty much all my thoughts about The Book of Boba Fett, what I thought about it starting, what you and I talked about. I don't think either of us really had super high expectations. I think we were very let's wait and see. Yeah, I'm one of those people who is just blanket against them reviving characters. Because I feel like they're kind of starting to rely on that too much. Like, it started with George Lucas wanting to bring back Maul, which was already kind of sussy way back then. But George and Dave, they made it work for that story and for that character. And then J.J. Abrams did it for Palpatine. Okay, we're, we're not going to talk no about somehow no, no, I'm, not, I'm not gonna return. turn this into a sequel debate <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna t- turn this into a sequel debate that's stupid but my point is that because uh george and dave brought back maul it inspired in a way jj to bring back palpatine whether or not he had a good reason for that is not the point of this episode and then it's now led to them saying oh yeah boba fett wasn't digested and he survived the sarlacc for some reason because we say he did and i feel like this is just becoming a trend in star wars where they seem to be shying away from new content and instead relying super heavily on legacy characters and reviving old characters that maybe never got much development in the past uh, or characters they think that they can somehow revive and then make uh, a story with them that will then lead into something else. I don't know. I, I, I think it's dumb. Whether or not it works for specific in specific instances or for certain stories, like, yeah, you know, you can make arguments for any of that, but I just think it's stupid all the way around. <laughs> and I think that's why Fennec Shand, her being involved in the Book of Boba Fett was, I think, a treat for both of us. She is fairly new. She had, what, one episode in The Mandalorian? She's only in one, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> she was only in that. I think it was, I think it was episode four, whenever, whenever uh, Mando went to Tatooine and met Toro Calican and then uh they went after fennec and her introduction i thought was great um i was disappointed that they at that time killed her in (laughs) her very first appearance so in that specific instance i am glad that they quote-unquote brought her back even though she really didn't die to begin with yeah and i'm just i'm really I was really looking forward to Book of Boba Fett fleshing her out because she is not a legacy character. She's new. They are spreading her throughout the universes. We do know that she made an appearance in Bad Batch. She was actually in a more than one episode of Bad Batch. What was it, two or three? 
yeah, so, I think so yes, I guess that would technically classify her as a legend or old character, but all of her content is new, which is something I was really looking forward to because the reason The Mandalorian season one, I believe, skyrocketed in popularity and revitalized Star Wars was because it was new. Yeah, that's that's something I said the other day. It's like the reason Mando season one worked so well is because it was a brand new character, brand new planets, locations, story. You didn't have to have any prior knowledge of Star Wars to enjoy the show. It was just there and it was great. And I feel like f- the character of Fennec Shan kind of encapsulates that same feeling perfectly. And I really hope we get to see her in a lot more stuff. Like, I really hope she's in uh mando season three i hope she shows up in season two of the bad batch like just put fennec shand in literally every single piece of content from now until the end of time and i will be satisfied i am in agreement but we should probably jump into the content she is already in which is episode one and well episodes one through four of book of boba fett (laughs) oh wait she was in episode five actually she's been in every episode so Episode 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. I already kind of had opinions about it from the title. The minute I saw that, I was like, I know exactly how this episode is going to go. Um, And I was pretty right with my plot prediction as well. Um, I mean, Stranger in a Strange Land obviously explains the entire plot without knowing where it came from. But as I mentioned to you... Earlier, it is from an old 1950s, I believe, sci-fi novel about somebody being stranded on a strange planet and reconnect, connecting with a different culture than their own, reconnecting with their home culture of humanity, which I think is very telling for Boba Fett. So, what do you think about the first episode? I thought, see, I went into the show with virtually no expectations, right? I went into the show with the same kind of mindset that I went into Solo with, which was, I don't really think there needs to be a series all about Boba Fett, so I don't really care how this goes one way or another. I'm just gonna watch the show, and if it makes me feel a certain type of way, then cool. If it makes me feel another type of way, then, you know, whatever. I don't really have uh, any kind of a, a stake in this, in the series. But I thought, overall, episode one was great for the the kind of content that it was for the character that it focused on i it definitely blew my non-existent expectations away yeah i absolutely agree i think it was a very strong way to start it out um seeing it already set up the jumping between past and present which was an interesting decision but i think they pulled it off really well um I liked that they started immediately like him in the Sarlacc, us getting to see that. I thought that was a pretty cool way to start. Like, say that you had no expectations, that you're not a huge fan of Boba Fett, but when that glove burst up from the sand, you gotta admit, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I had absolutely no idea or any, like, preconceptions about how they were going to start this thing off so when it just like straight up opened with boba in the sarlacc and being an absolute badass burning his way out of it like yeah i I was hooked and i got even more hooked when uh just like a short time later right we got 
seeing him in the Bactopod, aka the Polynesian spot. <laughs> uh, we got Camino flashbacks, which is the first time that we've seen Camino in any type of live action content since Attack of the Clones premiered way back in the ancient time of 2003. And on top of that, we got to see uh, the Daniel Logan um, return to being the little baby Boba Fett. Yeah, and the fact that the last time we saw Kamino in anything, I believe, was when it was destroyed in the Bad Bat. We don't talk about that. We're talking about it. No, 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 no. We don't talk about that. I think it was... It's too soon, okay? It's too soon. <laughs> Alan, <laughs> pull yourself together. <laughs> I think it was a great way to show how much Boba's past is going to be affecting him in this show. Like, it's been what 40 years since attack of the clones did you say 40 years? i don't i can't count 30 did, why why are you expecting me to did, do math right now not in real time in the star wars timeline i was i was real <laughs> you threw me for a big there jeez okay i know i'm bad at math uh, yeah, but so i would like in... to defend myself and say that I'm not that bad. <laughs> it's been a so long yeah, time Star for Wars Boba time. since Attack of the yeah. Clones. It's been a long time since he lost Django. And the fact that the first episode put so much emphasis on that loss made it clear that Boba's past is going to play into this and that he is growing from it and going to be learning from it. So I really liked the Camino um, showing up because of that moving on from the the camino stuff i also thought that the the first person perspective shots were very interesting i'm not totally sure why um they were there but i did appreciate them i, I do appreciate uh anytime star wars goes first person i absolutely loved when they did it with uh hunter and the bad batch where we got to see the hud that was pretty much uh, a carbon copy of the uh, heads-up display from the Republic Commando video game, which is my all-time favorite Star Wars game. Uh, so anytime they go first person, I do enjoy it. I thought it was interesting seeing uh, Boba's, Boba's perspective when he was breaking out of the Sarlacc and he was looking up at the twin sons through the T-visor. And then later on when we uh, it cuts to the Boba's perspective when he's being led through the desert, by the Tuscans, so good, so good. Yeah, and I, I think it made it feel a lot more personal. This is a very personal show for Boba. Until certain events, his story did not have galactic outreach. Like for it did not. It was not a galaxy-ending conflict. It was just Tatooine. This show scaled it down. It's it scaled everything down, and this is Boba's personal show. So seeing it through his eyes really made it clear what they were going for with that, at least to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then let's talk about who showed up, the Tuscans. I don't believe they were in any of the trailers, right? Well, the few trailers that there were. The few yeah. trailers that there were, no. So them showing up and playing as big a role as they did in hindsight was completely out of left field. Um, but there was different things about these Tuscans, right? 
they were different than every portrayal of Tuscans than we had seen before. Oh yeah, because I mean, our very first introduction to the Tuscans is Luke Skywalker getting his ass beat and nearly getting murdered by them uh, before Obi-Wan uh, steps in and scares them off by uh, doing the crate Dragon imitation. And then I don't think we see them any other time in the original trilogy. The next time, uh, as far as the films go, is in episode one when they uh, are shooting at the pod racers because the pod racers are kind of invading their territory and they want them to go away. <laughs> then we see them again in Attack of the Clones when they capture uh, Shmi Skywalker and then uh, we see those Tuscans get Skywalkered. Yep. Oh, and Anakin. then now we get to see like the Tuscans do basically a complete 180 from all the other uh, incarnations of them we've seen before where instead of capturing Boba Fett and you know, torturing him for however long they tortured Shmi and then just like letting her die or killing uh, or just killing him themselves or whatever. They capture him and they test him, essentially. Uh, they don't just blanket torture him just to see just for the fun of it like we've seen them do before. Yeah, they were definitely less outwardly violent than before we had been led to believe. Although I will say, one of the appearance of the Tuscans that did lead into this was their appearance in The Mandalorian. Uh, when Mondo that is true, could yeah. communicate with them. And they were shown to be more than we thought they were. But this episode of Boba went even more into that. Um, they, you know, they tied Boba up to a pole, okay? I'm not saying they're Mother Teresa, but they did give him a really cute guard dog. Um, I love massives. I do. I think they're adorable. Uh, but, uh, I digress. They didn't hurt him. They may have slightly dehydrated him, but they were definitely just waiting to see what kind of person whether his values line up with their values, and if they didn't, then I assume the Book of Boba Fett would have gone a lot differently. Um, then it would just be one episode, because he would be dead. Yes, he would be dead. Like his friend, the Rodian Prisoner. A.K.A. Sam Whitworth. You know, I honestly, I would have never known if you didn't tell me, and I would have been very afraid of you if you had actually been able to recognize his voice. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'd, I had absolutely no idea there was any significance to who voiced the Rodian until I saw people talking about it on Twitter. Because I guess I missed the, um, I guess I missed him being credited at the end of the episode because, like, you know, his name didn't pop up in kind of the main title card section where they show all the concept art. So I have, ever since I missed that, I have been uh, paying closer attention to the the rest of the cast list after the main uh, people are over with. And uh, there's some interesting uh, cameos throughout the series. Huh, very interesting. But the Rodian Prisoner, um, I think you and I discussed why his presence was necessary for that story, what he taught Boba, and what they both taught the Tuscans about them. Well, one thing I did want to mention, real quick, we're still on the uh the Tuscans capturing Boba when he gets out of the Sarlacc um because you mentioned 
like the Tuscans didn't well they they like dehydrated him but if anything they rehydrated him with that little carrot thing uh, like the carrot juice they poured into his mouth oh yeah they did didn't they yeah so like they were seeing if he was still alive or not before they took him i i didn't even really think about that so they definitely weren't trying to seriously hurt him besides dragging him behind a bantha it builds character it builds character um, but I, integral to the plot yeah and like i said before the jumping from past to present was pretty interesting whether it was the best decision is another debate but i think it was pulled off pretty well it was interesting seeing boba at his lowest point and then jumping back to the present seeing him sitting on that throne just being you know boba fett i mean he looked badass on that throne with his helmet and everything so i think that might be why they did the format they did to show us boba at his lowest boba at his highest um that could be yeah, a part reason and also i i enjoy how they use the back to tank as a plot device to show the passage of time even more than just that's how boba experiences uh the flashbacks or the dreams as he called them but uh like when he's like when he's physically like asleep in the pod there is time is still progressing forward in the the present part of the show so it's not just like every single thing he does in the present is just like hours or even like a day or whatever apart there's a substantial length of time that's happening while boba is asleep in the bactopod and while we're seeing uh, those flashbacks. Yeah, and I, I liked how they actually, like, really kind of made the Bactopod a character of its own. I think, now, maybe I'm reading too deep into this, but it could be the reason he always sees the flashbacks in the Bactopod is, you know, his time with the Tuscans, we know in hindsight, kind of healed him. Time is healing. We just see that while he's physically healing, we are also witnessing his emotional healing as a character in the past. So that I was I thought they that was more interesting than just putting him in a back to tank and having him pass out for a few hours, which is how we've seen, you know, back to yeah, tanks in true. the past. And it's definitely more interesting than just saying, hey, yeah, Boba was in this back to tank for however long and all right, now he's all healed up again and he's back to normal. Like there was a progression of his recovery um in the present story throughout uh the first few episodes so now that we're back in the present i don't remember how many jumps between flashbacks and present i think there were two flashback uh scenes it went flashback present flashback present i believe for episode one yeah i think so so present was Fairly predictable, I would say the present is exactly what I was expecting from this show. Yeah, I, I am a person who appreciates whenever Star Wars shows kind of like the mundane day-to-day stuff that characters do. Like in the movies and stuff, right? All You always see them do all the really cool epic stuff, starfighter battles, lightsaber fights, you know, whatever galactic scale stuff, but you never get to see what these characters do in between all of those things and 
the first episode did a very good job at showing that, you know, Boba Fett just can't be a, a badass 24-7 if he's going to accept the responsibilities of being uh, a crime boss then he's gotta handle all the day-to-day -day stuff and even more than just showing it for the sake of showing it it also uh gives us as an audience the a better understanding of boba's character development since we left him in the sarlacc and even since those flashbacks with the tuscans like he says that uh like fennec shand brings up that you know, he should have uh, been carried on a litter uh, and he should be doing this, that and the other. And Boba's like, no, I walk on my own two feet and I intend to rule with respect and all of this stuff, which is like the total opposite of what Jabba and Bib Fortuna did before. Yeah, and I, I think they did a really good job of portraying what Tatooine is like in this period that we have never seen Tatooine, not the politics of it. We haven't really seen... Moss Espa, like really the nitty gritty details of it. And we also do get a little introduction to the present plot with now we know he is going to be a pretty big player in this, the mayor's major domo. The man with the most punchable face in the galaxy? Yes. I hate, I absolutely hate the major domo with every fiber of my being. I will say, I hate this man. Props to the actor. Um, I should know his name. Props to him. But I want to punch his character in the face. I have known him for probably a oh, combined yeah, yeah. total of two minutes of screen time, maybe more, and I want to punch him in the face. For the, from the very first moment that the major domo walked in to Boba Fett's palace, I wanted to punch that man. <laughs> and I'm hoping that he will get punched by Boba Fett many times. Please, at some point, that needs to happen. Um, but that was our introduction to what's going to be going on in the present. Politics are messy. This is something we've always known in Star Wars. And while Book of Boba Fett might go a tiny bit more into politics than formal projects, I mean, we know this. We saw Padme in the prequel trilogy deal with the Senate. We saw it a lot in the Clone Wars, a lot of politics-centric arcs. And now we're seeing the underworld politics, the kind of stuff that we've never really seen before, besides our few experiences in animation and in live action with the Huts, which, again, is exactly what it, this is how they marketed this show. They did not market it as Boba has fun in the desert with the Tuscans for a few years. Or Boba disintegrates people every two minutes. Yeah, I mean, the Boba disintegrates people every two minutes is the point of why they're doing the show. They're showing that, no, he's not going to disintegrate people every two minutes. He used to be a very angry child, but characters can heal and take on new responsibilities and build their own story, create their own story that doesn't have to do with their pain or trauma in the past. So I do appreciate that about his present story. He is building something new. Say what you want about it, but he's building something new for himself and he is growing as a person, even in the present. Um, but, you know, he does get in fights. Uh, the street fight uh, with the Order of the Night Wind Assassins. Uh, there was a lot of talk about that fight. It was pretty cool to see Boba actually get, like, in a full-out brawl with Fennec at his side. We always love to see her fight. I think, as far as the 
as far as the street fight goes, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good too, but I think from the reactions a lot of people had when episode 1 released, I think people kind of forgot the context of where Boba is at this point in his life. Like the man got uh partially digested by a sarlacc. He got dragged through the desert for days, weeks, whatever. He was living in the desert with the Tuscans for, like, years. He wandered the desert just alone by himself for many months, maybe even a year or something. And, like, this whole time, he had been getting more and more injuries, but not giving himself time to heal. So, he was still... The Boba that was wandering the desert and the Boba that was living with the Tuscans, physically he was still broken. Mentally he might have gotten his, uh, uh, he might have gotten repaired by finding, um, the tribe of Tuscans, but like physically he still had a lot of damage. And we do and have confirmation that his wounds from the Sarlacc were not healed in episode one. I mean, he had to be dragged off back to the Bacta tank. Uh, he does have a sort of chronic illness, so expecting him to fight the way we have seen Boba fight before was just, you need to think about the context of the character and the fact that they were outnumbered and surrounded. Yeah, and I saw some people bring up like, oh, well, he, you know, absolutely destroyed the stormtroopers in, uh, on Tython in The Mandalorian, but I'm sitting here like, yeah, okay, they're stormtroopers, not the, some of the galaxy's best assassins. And stormtroopers aren't allowed a, to be competent. That is just like the number one rule of Star Wars. Exactly, that's just a rule. <laughs> like they are like a stormtrooper and an assassin. They are nowhere near the same level. So while Boba might not have had trouble beating up a bunch of stormtroopers, yeah, he would have a little bit more trouble beating up. A, not just one, but a group of assassins that uh, got the jump on him. Yeah, like, and I mean, then we got to go see Fennec do a parkour race. Yeah, and then we got to see Fennec be badass, which is everything I want in life. I think it's what everybody wants. And then, I believe after that, while Boba's healing from that fight, Fennec's, you know, bringing that man back. Uh, we jump back to the past, and I we ended in the past, if I remember correctly, which was interesting considering the show is supposed to focus on the present, but we did jump back to the past after that fight. I guess as a reminder that, yeah, Boba's in a pretty bad place physically after that. I mean, he's still wearing his, uh, I think they call it a flight suit, his little white beat-up flight suit. Which that's a body body suit. suit. I've seen people call it a flight suit because he has the jetpack. He flies. And it kind of looks like a pilot's flight suit. Okay, yeah, fine, whatever. One thing actually, I did want to bring up uh, with this that I forgot to include in our show notes here um, is that to me at least, it kind of uh, seems like they for this show they did the opposite of luke skywalker in the original trilogy so like luke skywalker in the original trilogy right he always in um in a new hope and uh empire strikes back he was wearing white because he was the good guy and then in return of the jedi all of a sudden he's wearing this 
these black these just straight up just black robes he's wearing the the black robes to give the audience kind of a question of like okay is is luke going to accept darth vader and the emperor's offer of you know turning to the dark side um and then at the end of uh return of the jedi we see the um the robes kind of open up a bit and then there's white underneath because he's still the good guy and with boba fett we see him wearing that white suit underneath the armor um while he's the bad guy and then when he becomes the quote-unquote good guy after spending time with the tuscans all of a sudden he's wearing these black robes i think that's a really interesting connection and i absolutely would not put it past star wars even for non-force sensitive characters the theme of dark and light is just very present like even the way yes boba is a crime boss does that make him objectively evil that entire show has been proven that no that does not make him object i mean even in the first episode jabba ruled with fear i intend to rule with respect that sounds pretty light side to me even though again crime lord yeah and boba's always been this this was especially prevalent in the clone wars but boba's always been a character that's kind of existed in the twilight i want to say for lack of a better term um where he's not totally evil um but he's also not totally good gray like there was uh, i remember going back to uh the the mace windu arc right when they um when the bounty hunters captured uh pawns and a bunch of clones and whoever the admiral guy was that i can't remember his name right now uh and like i think it was aura singh wanted to uh like kill um pawns or the admiral and then like send the body to windu as like a warning or something and boba fett objected to that and he stopped aura singh from executing these prisoners yeah so yeah i remember that wow it's been a while um i had to do a little thinking about that He's always been a very morally gray character. Um, he has not always been evil. And I don't even really think he was evil in the original. He was working a job. I mean, he was just a bounty hunter. So I like that they're yeah, not... When you actually see him, when you actually see him be a bounty hunter, he's not really doing anything like like a sith would he's not sadistic he's he'll do a job he might not exactly love the job but he'll he'll get it done he'll do the job if it requires killing people well he's not going to shy away from it but he doesn't i don't think he takes any pleasure out of it i really don't i don't think he became a crime boss because he wants to scare people i don't think he does it because he wants to kill people everything we've seen of him so far shows that his motivation for taking over tattooing is something much different than jabba's motivations when he was in power and his past with the tuscans is what explains that motivation i think a little more and i hope that the past flashbacks aren't over now they probably are, but the ones that we did get, I think, pointed more to his motivations of doing what he's doing, and it's not because Boba Fett wants to disintegrate a bunch of people and have no consequences. So I do 
definitely think that uh, episode one was a very, very good introduction to this new version of Boba Fett that we haven't really seen before. Like, we've been talking about this all throughout this episode of the podcast, but Boba's um, kind of flip-flopped between all of these different versions of himself basically his entire life and um episode one kind of of uh episode one of the book of boba fett kind of shows us how he's um combining all of those elements of himself to finally kind of figure out who he is as a person instead of being all of these different things that all of these different people want him to be he's finally able to do something for himself yeah it was a very strong introduction to the character and how the character is going to be developing it did not focus as much on plot but i think it was more important that like it really told us what we're going to get out of boba what is to be expected and how boba is going to combine all these things to grow as a person throughout the show and possibly whatever future projects he appears in uh, so I just thought episode one was a great introduction to this Boba Fett that we are going to get to know and love. Well, of course, it's Tamora Morrison. Of course. Yeah, and I also think, like, I saw some, after episode one release, I saw some complaints that were like, it didn't really move the plot along very much, but uh, I feel like that's a good thing, like, for a show like this, um, where it's kind of so far removed from uh, how we've seen Boba in previous media, whether whether it be movies or shows or comics or whatever, that it definitely needed to hone in and focus more on the character himself and the development that he's gone through since the last time that we saw him in Return of the Jedi than it was to progress the this new plot of him uh, all of a sudden trying to take over Mos Espa. And what people need to remember is that this is a show with eight episodes, right? Seven. Seven. This is not a movie where you have two, maybe two and a half hours to tell the story. This show has time, and I personally appreciate the slower pace that they were taking it at and that they will take it at in future episodes. Yeah, like, I kind of... I like to compare this show to Solo, um, simply because it's in it's in that same realm of uh, the anthology type stuff. And like, while Solo itself was a fantastic movie, I feel like it would have worked a lot better as a series like The Book of Boba Fett, where it has seven, eight, maybe even ten episodes to really develop the character of Han Solo and establish his motivations. So it's kind of a good thing that uh, the anthology movies died out essentially and then all of those ideas have been kind of progressing into these series where it's easier to tell uh, a grand story of this one certain character yeah and i completely agree it's just this format works very well for this show i can't imagine them trying to fit all of this in a movie or even a trilogy Oh yeah, no, definitely not. I remember back when uh, it was either before Solo released or like right after Solo released, but there was um, all the rumors uh, circulating of all of the different ideas that Lucasfilm was toying with for anthology movies, because originally uh, Rogue One was supposed to be 
the start of this whole new series and new style of Star Wars movies um, in the form of like focusing on specific characters. And so, really? Solo, yeah, so Solo was one of those ideas. There was an idea for a Boba Fett film in the same vein as Solo, which again is why I kind of compare the two so often. Um, I, I'm kind of curious though, if there was ever any story ideas for that Boba Fett movie and if they made their way into this series. Um, but nobody's really talked about any of that since like 2018, unfortunately. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of uh, anthology movie ideas. Um, I think there was one floating around about Yoda. Uh, there was another one maybe uh, about Ahsoka. I don't know. There was all these kind of random things. And like, who knows how many of them would have actually become uh, movies themselves, even if uh, Lucasfilm didn't decide to can the anthology uh, type of movies. But it is it's interesting to think about what could have been. Yeah, and of course, what we're getting in the future with all of these new miniseries coming out. Yeah, like we're getting a I series believe... about Ahsoka. We're getting a series mm-hmm. about Lando Calrissian. Uh, so, Cassie have, and Andor. Yeah, and Cassie and Andor. So I have a feeling um, some of those, uh, dare I say, more polished story ideas for anthology films are kind of um, shifting gears and becoming series instead, which, again, I totally think works better when you're telling a story about one specific character uh than the the series format where you can have you know seven hours of content as opposed to two hours of content to really tell a story is so much better yeah i am in agreement and i think that is a good uh spot to wrap things up for this episode of the podcast uh next week we will be diving into the meat of the book of boba fett itself we'll be talking about um episodes two and three maybe even episode four uh who knows so if you want to listen to our analysis and theories and all of the little juicy bits of information we have on those episodes uh be sure to follow the podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify uh or wherever you happen to be listening And we will see you back here in the cantina next week. Is there anything you want to add before we uh, leave these wonderful people? I just want to say thank you for listening. And I look forward to discussing more about Book of Boba Fett in our next episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Monday with more exciting news, analysis, and theories. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want even more Outer Rim Cantina content, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Outer Rim Can and Instagram at Outer Rim Cantina. If you liked what you heard and want to support us even more, consider tipping us. 100% of tips go directly into creating more weekly content like this. You can also subscribe to our Patreon, where we have exclusive videos not seen on YouTube, extended podcast episodes, subscriber Q&As, and we even take topic requests for future YouTube videos or podcast episodes. That's all the time we have for this week. As always, may the Force be with you.